0: Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time for Focus. This morning, our guest is Vince Pinkerton. He's an owner of a production company. It's called Pinkerton Productions, and he's a self-published author. Welcome this morning. Hi, Anna Marie. Thanks so much for having me in. So you've got a lot of knowledge that you can impart to our listeners. Uh, First of all, let's talk about, if you don't mind, a little bit of your previous career in production, and then you got your own company started, and now you're kind of going into another
1: Direction? Sure. Um, um, well, first off, I'm a Nashville native. I'm one of the few. I've been here forever. Um, they like to call themselves unicorns. As Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've been in television here in Nashville since the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, I was at WSM Television for about 14 years in various positions. Um, the final being a commercial producer, I wrote and produced a lot of the commercials that were being done at that time through the station. Mm -hmm. So in 2011 I went out on my own with a friend of mine who had also been at the station for a while and we formed Pinkerton Productions. Mm -hmm. So for the last now 12 years, 12-13 years, uh, we've just been trying to keep busy and keep working here. We've got a show called Pearly's Place that is on RFD network and we're starting a second production in the in early summer that will also be on RFD. We've got about four different syndicated Television programs. Uh, Too many cricket. We do music videos, commercials, and uh, I also oversee programming on a streaming service called Entertainment Television. So, got our fingers in a lot of little things.
0: And so then you had to add more.
1: Sure, why not? (laughs) Right? Always a glutton for punishment, right?
0: I find that a lot of times people who have a specific skill set are able to use them and go, oh, this job needs that too. And this thing needs that as well. And so you're finding ways to use your talents in all these
1: different areas. That's fantastic. Absolutely. I try. Um, the, just real quickly, the first book that I wrote is called the devil plays six strings that came out of a conversation with a business partner who was discussing the idea of maybe making a horror movie. Mm -hmm. He he has his hands in the production from the, from the money end and was just randomly in a meeting talking about movies, horror movies, what makes a good movie, what makes a good horror movie. And I got a bug. I said, you know what? I've written short form stuff. I'm going to try to write a script. So he, he had an idea. I tried to write the script off the idea he had and it stunk. I mean, quite honestly, it was just terrible, but it got the bug back to start writing. And I think if you're going to be an author, that's it. You've got to have that bug. You have to have a story to tell. So, right.
0: Oh, I like that. That's the number one thing. Absolutely. Right you have there. to
1: have a story to tell. Don't force it. You can't sit down and you know think it through. you got to have a story in you to tell. Um, like I said, The Devil Plays Six Strings was the first book, and that came out of a test that I gave myself just to see how my writing skills were. I wanted to give myself a test to see if I could do something that in my mind was really hard to do. Huh. So I I don't know what made me think of it but i decided i was going to write a conversation between two people where one person only spoke in bible verses and they did it conversationally not preaching not but conversationally can a can a conversation go between one person talking regularly and the person only answering in bible verses wow i thought if i can do that i can pull this off and it worked i showed it to my wife she thought it was pretty interesting and i just sat down thinking okay now i need to figure out why is this guy talking only in Bible verses? And the story grew exponentially around there. I wrote backwards and forwards from that one small piece, which what? is the middle of the first book.
0: Oh, that's yay. Right. That's awesome. So,
1: but I guess I had that story in me. Sure. And uh, I put, you know, being 57 years old, growing up in the South my whole life, I, I had seen and heard a lot of things Um, I also, another thing from the television end that I didn't mention, I produce a show called Bobby Jones Presents, Mm -hmm. Dr. Bobby Jones Presents for the Impact Network. Um, Dr. Bobby Jones is 85, and he is started in Nashville, and he is considered the Ed Sullivan of gospel music. Oh, my goodness. Uh, He, he, the BET Network was started on the back of Bobby's show. Um, So I had been working a lot in the African-American community as well. So that's where this came out. The, the main character in the devil plays six strings is a black man in 1930. He's a sharecropper and he loses his wife during childbirth and he has to now face as a black man in Southern Mississippi in 1930. What do I do? I, now I have an infant that I have to, to try to care for, to try to raise. And it goes from there.
0: That is one of the most fascinating premises for a book I think that I've ever heard. Oh, my gosh. And I noticed when you said, and my wife thought it was pretty good. She's here. Welcome, by the way. Moral support. Uh, when you pitched the part about a conversation and one person speaking only in Bible verses, mm-hmm. your wife was like, on board? You were on board? or were you like, this is insane? She thought it was kind of crazy at first, but it was unique and original. I think so. I
1: think Could you so. read a
0: little? Would it be spoiling the book if you read a little part of that? Because that's pretty fascinating. Just sure, a little bit. i have
1: to find it. Okay. Okay, I found it here. Okay. Uh, just a little bit of setup. This takes place, like I say, it's a little over halfway through the book. Right. Um, our our lead character, Elijah Parker, has now gotten older and his son, who he named Happy, um, the name came from when his wife passed. The last thing she did was look at the newborn child and smiled. So he names his son Happy. Brilliant. Now a lot has happened to Elijah at this point, and he's basically lost his mind. We can put it that mm-hmm. way. He's blind; his mind is now he only lives in his Bible verses, in what he read and learned. I'm not going to give too much away okay, as to yes, why yes. this goes here, but um, so this at this point in the book it jumps about 20 years. We're now in 1950. We're now still in Southern Mississippi, happy as a 20 year old man, black man. He's driving a truck, hauling garbage to feed the pigs that he's raising behind the house. Yeah. That's all they've got. Yeah. And he's stuck with this crazy old father. Yeah. So we'll pick up there. Um, He's just pulled up to the house after going out on his morning run. An old ring barrel set against the corner of the porch with a dipper hanging off a nail above it. Happy filled the dipper with water, poured it over his head before taking another dipper full and drinking it. The water was warm, and it tasted like old wood, but with no running water in the house, he'd become used to it. His father was humming and rocking again. Happy used to love the sound of his father's voice, but now it only served to remind him how little of his father actually remained in that body. At times, he wished that, he would, that his father would just die and get it over with, but when those thoughts came, so did the feeling of emptiness and pain that he knew would only be intensified When he had to put that old man in the grave as far gone as his father was happy still loved him he only wondered if he was still able to feel if his father was still able to feel the same for him you all right old man happy spoke gently his father didn't answer he seldom did anymore he just rocked and hummed his blind eyes looking up to heaven pappy it's hap i'm home the old man's lips started moving and a whisper of a voice reached happy's ears The longer he talked, the stronger his voice became, and Happy could start to make out what he was saying. See not all things, verily I say to you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Happy stepped upon the porch and crossed over to his father. He knelt and looked at his weathered face, looking for any indication of sanity, any sign that would tell him that the father he loved was still there. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him, privately saying, Tell us, what shall these things be, and what shall the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Happy gently touched his father's knee. He could feel the bones there hiding beneath the thin covering of skin and cotton. His father had grown thin. He hardly ever ate. His days and nights were spent just sitting and staring into the dark world. He turned his face toward Happy, as if in conversation. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceiveth you, for thy shall come into thy name, saying that I am Christ, and I shall deceive many. Happy walked back to the truck, leaving the man with his nonsense. He started the truck, drowning out the verses, put it into gear, and drove around to the back of the house.
0: That's amazing. It's beautiful. Thank you. And yeah, weird. That.
1: It is weird. And it, <laughs> and, and, and it, so it so gets like, weirder. Yeah. A little farther in there, they have an argument. And, but he's still... Jill, speaking in Bible yeah, verses. Fine.
0: Well, okay, so now we're talking to our listeners about how to maybe get to this point where you have this story inside you to tell and how to get to where you've got a self-published book that you just put down back on the table. So if they're thinking of writing a story,
1: kind of give them some steps, first of all, with with the story. Well, with the story, the first thing, let, let me say this, and this seems really a silly thing to say, but if you're thinking about writing a story, go ahead and write it. Don't spend your time thinking about should I can I could I just do it you'll know when you do it whether it's any good or not yeah I mean you you'll be able to tell whether it's good or not if you're feeling good about what you're doing continue to write it just find that story write something you know that's the other thing you've heard that people say that all along write what you know because that's how you're going to invest yourself into that story
0: no wait you're talking about a black man in 1930s in mississippi and who speaks in Bible? Uh, how, how, where did you pick that knowledge up?
1: Well, we can make a list. First off, been in church since the day I was born, so I know that end of it. Um, secondly, as I was saying, I work with Dr. Bobby Jones. Yeah. Okay. A lot of the people in his group that he works with are the people that were in Nashville here during the sit-ins. I've heard these stories. I've said on the outside of these conversations. Normally, the only white guy in the room. Yeah. But they know me. They've gotten used to me. They trust me. So they they talk freely amongst themselves. They don't, you know. So I hear these things. Also, I am fifty seven years old. I was born in nineteen sixty six in Nashville. Over here in the Old Baptist Hospital, Uh, but where I grew up was on the outskirts of town. I route right on the Williamson County line, which at that point was pretty rural. Right. So, I had family that didn't trust people as much because of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. They weren't hateful, mean people, but there was a just a distrust. And yeah. I, I saw how that happened. Um, and we had a, a gentleman that lived about four miles down the street from us um, that walked past our house every day to go to the bus. He was a, a black man. And I remember my grandmother specifically saying, George is coming down the road. You need to stay inside. Oh, wow. You know, and when he'd get outside, okay, if you want to go out and play, you can. I was, I was a latchkey kid. My mom and dad were working. So yeah. usually a couple hours in the afternoon, I was there. My grandmother lived next door. But at the same time, um, my grandfather raised a garden between the two houses. Yeah, When he needed help, he would call George, and George would come over. They were friends. They were friendly.
0: The black guy who was yeah. walking down the street, and your grandma said, get inside. Right. So yeah. they
1: were friendly. Yeah. My grandmother would make them lunch, put it out on the porch. You know, they were friendly. But one thing with with him that I noticed, one thing I don't understand in the middle of summer, 100 degree heat, the man always wore long sleeves. Never have figured that one out. But I noticed when he would talk to my grandmother, he always wore a hat too. When he would talk to my grandmother, the hat would come off and the eyes would look down. He didn't look her in the eye and the hat came off. Wow. When he was done talking, the hat would go back on, he would go back what he was doing. That always stuck with me. Yeah. So in the book, when we go back into the section with Happy and hauling the garbage, he he is but he is behind. Uh, he goes up behind a cafe where he's getting trash from. When the man that owns the cafe comes out, they're very friendly. They know each other. He knows Happy's father. But I put that in there. That Happy, and I even say it in there. Happy knew how the game worked. He knew how he had to behave. He knew what was expected of him. So when the man came out, his hat would come off and he would drop his eyes and talk to him. So it's just things that stuck with you. Like I said, it's, I, you know, I, I can't know what it's like to be yeah. a black man in 1930, but I've seen the surroundings and I've talked to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that same note, and that's something too, I, I wanted to be really authentic. I think if you're going to write a book, you need to try to be authentic with mm-hmm. it. So when I finished this, I'm, I'm you know, my wife and I had a discussion. She read it and she said, how's this going to go over an old white guy? Why are you writing about black folks and racism in the thirties? And, All this sort of stuff. And it really struck me. Am I, you know, am I making a mistake? You know, have Mm -hmm. I written this from some skewed point of view? Right. And I didn't want to do that. So, again, Dr. Jones, who I work with, who's now 85, I took an early copy of it over to him. And I said, Doc, just read this. I said, I don't know if it's any good or not. Read it. Let me know what you think. Yeah. And he agreed to do it. So a week or so later, I, I had gone back over to the doctor's house to do some video editing. And I asked him, I said, so what did, did you get a chance to read it? He said, I did. It was good. I said, okay. I'm thinking to myself, well, that's what you tell somebody when something stinks and you don't want to hurt their feelings. No. So I just, I just dropped it. Interesting. Just let it go. Yeah. And I'm, I'm outside. He always walks, walks a person out on the porch if they've been visiting. He's out on his porch. I'm getting in the truck. And he said, let me ask you a question. I said, what? He goes, your book. I said, yes, sir. He goes, how did you get it right? And I went, oh, okay. And spent about 30 minutes talking about some of the things we just talked. But then I thought, okay, now I feel better about it. Oh, yeah. You know, unprovoked by me, not pushed. He asked me, how did I get it right? So I felt really good about it. Yeah. And felt good about moving forward in in publishing it.
0: So write what you know doesn't mean I have to write about doing the laundry and then going to work at the radio station. It means... Of the things that I've accumulated in my life, of the knowledge and the information that I've accumulated in my life, I know it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, all of us, as we go along in life, we build stories. We have stories inside of us. You know, some of it may be about the laundry, but some of it may be about you were the first person at a car accident and Mm -hmm. you saved somebody, or worse yet, you weren't able to save somebody. Those feelings that build up inside of you, if you can tap them, and you can put those into words, then you're really ready to move forward with something.
0: If you're just joining us, we're talking with Vince Pinkerton. He's the owner of Pinkerton Productions, production company, and he's a self-published author. And we have him here today to talk about what you need to know if you're thinking of writing a book. First of all, he said, go ahead and start writing. And he said, write what you know, and then explained a little bit about how he got The Devil Plays Six Strings that would seem to be completely out of the realm of what you know. But that's very interesting how you explain that. Thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so next. So next. okay. so you so you've got a book. You've written a book.
0: It sounds like so you've written a book. So
1: you've written a book. What do you do now? Now you have to you have to mold it. You have to manipulate that book. You have to get it ready for someone else to read. You've told your story. You've written a book. The hardest thing I learned was when you write a book, as soon as you're done, rewrite it. Go back in. Go over it word by word, reread it, rethink about it. Did this sentence say what I wanted it to? Did this paragraph portray what I wanted it to portray? So rewrite it. Okay. I've only ever heard of one author in my life, and it was a science fiction author named Robert Heinlein, who never rewrote what he wrote the first time he sent to his publisher. He was done, and he moved on. And that's a rarity. That is very much a rarity. I've, I've done a lot of reading about other authors, especially ones that I'm really into. And they talk about rewriting, pouring it over, sometimes throwing out the entire middle of a book and rewriting it when you get to it. Oh. Pour over it. Then when you think you're ready, when you think you've got it, give it to somebody else. We call them beta readers. I hand it off to my wife and I've got four or five other people in my close circle yeah. that I trust. Read it. Get back to me. Is there anything that you didn't understand? Is there anything you thought should be put together stronger? Mm-hmm. You know, get that feedback. So once everybody, you in your little circle, your beta readers say, okay, we're good to go. Then the next thing to do is find an editor. Please, please, please find an editor. An editor does. An editor goes through and looks at your work critically. In in my case, my editor is a lady named Jeannie Hart. She's written about 40 books. She's She was a former teacher. She's an established writer. Yeah. She went through and taught me more on this book about writing than I had ever learned. Things like what she calls head bopping, where you switch points of view in the middle of a paragraph and that will throw your reader. Oh, yes. You've been talking about, well, this is what Happy was thinking. And all of a sudden, now you're talking about what Elijah's happening. And although to you telling the story, that makes sense. But to the reader, they go, oh, wait a minute. Who's talking now? Things like that. They will go through. They will help you clean up your prose. They will help you get things together. Sentence formatting, um, paragraph formatting, all this sort of stuff. They basically go through and clean up your stuff. They don't rewrite it, but they clean it up to make it more readable. Yeah. So one thing I found is when I'm rereading something I've written, I may read it differently than what's actually on the page because in my head, I know what I meant to say and scanning through, I'll miss things. I'll yeah. miss a you know leaving a, a apostrophe your ER off of a your and it just says you, but in my head it was yours. yeah, you know, they pick up the things that we as the author miss because we're so close to the material. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They go through and get it cleaned up. nice and get it just ready to read. They take their experience and help you get it into something that's going to be comfortable for someone to read. Is an editor expensive? It depends on what you consider expensive. Uh, there, there are editors. If you want to lose your mind as a first-time author and go start searching New York editing houses, or you know, and you can pay a ton of money if you uh, want to lose your if, mind if, if you as you a first-time author. Mind, right. Uh, <laughs> I have found with with Jeannie and with a couple of other people I've talked to, they'll charge between a half a cent to a penny a word. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of how they figure it out. Okay. So you know for. For instance, The Devil Plays Six Strings came in just under 300 pages. I think I paid her maybe 400 bucks to edit it. Yeah. But without fundamentally changing the story, she fundamentally changed the book and made it better. That's I can go back and look at it and see that it is so much better. Okay, good. Okay.
0: So you find an editor.
1: Find an editor. Get it cleaned up. Now you think you're ready to go. You're not. (laughs) Now you need to find what's called a formatter. Someone that's going to take your work, where you've been in Word, you've been writing on you know regular letter size paper your editors edit it. Well your book is not an eight and a half by eleven book. true in my case it's a five by eight roughly. That formatter what he does he goes in he creates your margins he creates your your sizes he knows things like uh, there's a thing called bleed. you have to have space on either side of the print far enough to, cover the binding in the center so that your words don't get cut into the binding. Yep. Things like that. He formats your book, things you don't think about, but you see every day in a book. If you're reading along and you come to the end of a chapter, where does the next chapter start on the next page? It doesn't pick up in the middle of a page, right? You know, things like that. In my case, um, he went through and on the top of each page, he's got my name on one side, the title of the book on the other. You see it everywhere. Yeah. But you don't think about it as an author. So he takes your now good to go book and makes it look like a book. I say he, he or she, the yes. formatter a formatter. They okay. make it look like a book. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you're set to go. Now you've got a book. The other thing they do in modern, in the modern world of publishing that people didn't used to have to worry about. Now we read books, but we also read them electronically. Yeah. So to read on a Kindle or a fire tablet, that book has to be formatted differently. They have to go in. You're, um, if you're reading on a Kindle and you want to go back and skip to a certain chapter, that has to be put in with a link inside the PDF document that's printed that will then allow the Kindle, it's coded, so the Kindle will jump to that, yeah. that page. There's a lot to it. Wow. If you go on Kindle and then you go on an Amazon Fire tablet, those two take two different types of files. Mm-hmm. One of them takes a PDF. The other one takes what's called an EPUB. Your formatter will deliver your book to you in every format you tell oh, him you need. Okay. So again, if I'm happy, if my, you know, if I'm done, I haven't been to that formatter. I go to self-publish onto Amazon or I go on to um, Ingram Spark and I get ready to upload. It's going to start asking for certain things. You know, are you in a PDF? What are your format sizes? What are you ready? Da, 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 da don't know that. So you need to I find don't know somebody how to who do does. So you got to find somebody who does.
0: So you're basically putting your team together. You're, you're not, you're not trying team. to play every base. You're Absolutely. putting your team together. you do this, you do the, and you don't, you
1: don't try and do the thing that makes you the weakest link. Exactly. Exactly. And what you're wanting to end up with is it sounds silly. You're to end up with a book that looks like a book because if it doesn't look like what people are normally used to seeing, mm-hmm. The little amateur flag is going to fly. Yeah. And even if you've got the greatest story in the world, they're going to start reading it thinking, well, this guy doesn't know what he's doing.
0: Oh, yeah. When you see typos, misspellings and the format, I've seen that where it's like one sentence ends after four words and then the next sentence begins. It's like, what is that? It does. It It looks very amateurish. It
1: pulls you out of the story and it looks amateurish. You want your reader to sink in. Yeah. You want them to become involved without your writing, not be pulled out because of a mistake mm-hmm. or because of a bad formatting yeah okay many steps to this you got all that done you've written your book you've got it edited you've got it formatted you're ready to go what are you missing you got to have a cover you've got to create a cover
0: couldn't you just draw something and make that your cover you could
1: but there take again a picture
0: of somebody out by the barn sure
1: you could if you're going to take a picture by somebody at the barn you better have releases before you start <laughs> selling it or you're going to be paying the person out by the barn
0: I'm really being a little facetious about that because that's kind of been the music city way for a long time with, with CDs, like just get somebody out by the barn and we're going to take a picture. And it looks very often, often, sometimes very amateur. Absolutely. And so again,
1: you want to become and be as professional as you can. You want your work to look as professional as it can look because you want to be accepted mm -hmm. as a professional writer. The way that way, people, when they read your stuff, they're willing to get into it they they don't feel like that it's kindergarten you know yeah. they're ready to do it in the case of my books being with a tv and a production background i i know my way around photoshop pretty well so i create my own covers mm-hmm. feel pretty good about them or at least i did until i tried it to upload them and then i'm in mean, i i publish through amazon you jump on amazon and then all of a sudden they're sending you these diagrams well my book is you know Five and a quarter by seven and a quarter. I know what my sizes are. Oh, but my picture has to be larger than that. I have to have bleed for printing errors. I have to have it set up to make sure that the that the the, the larger print on the spine is exactly centered. You know, oh, I have to leave room for an ISBN code. Didn't even think about.
0: I don't even know what that is. That, <laughs>
1: that is the little barcode at the back that they use to charge you. Whoa. Yeah. Um, okay. All of this stuff comes into play. I spent a good two weeks batting around, having it rejected, batting around, having it rejected. I finally figured it out. Yeah. But again, I have a background in this type of stuff, so it took me two weeks. Uh, when I decided to do hardcover editions of the books, forget it, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. So I found a local graphics artist that has a background in doing book covers, and she did in a day what took me two weeks to figure out.
0: So you're looking for who?
1: So a graphics artist. A graphics artist mm-hmm. for yeah. your book cover. You can just you know, Google if you're in Nashville, you know, graphics artists in Nashville. Yeah. This town, you're going to get four or five hundred of them. Yeah. You know, then go out, you know, interview them, send them a letter, say, I'm interested in doing this. Can you send me some some samples? You know, let me see some of your work. Yeah. So I stumbled upon this this young lady named Sarah. And I'm sorry, I don't have her last name in front of me. But um, like I say, Sarah took my ideas for devil to play six strings. I wanted a black man, middle-aged black man, wearing a suit like you would in the 30s, playing an acoustic guitar. She went out, she researched, she found stock photos, she found it, she built it together, put it together with some depth, sent it to me like this. Well heck yeah, like that was exactly what I look for. Finding somebody, if you don't know that end of it, finding somebody that'll take care of it will yeah. cost you a little money. But You're not going to sweat yourself to death and make yourself crazy trying to make it work. Then you're actually ready to publish, except you've got to copyright it. And that you go through um, uh, Mm copyright.gov, and they will ask you to submit an electronic version of your book. Mm -hmm. Uh, You fill out all the information. They do some basic checking uh, through the computers to make sure you've not plagiarized anything. Yeah. That sort of stuff to make sure if in my case I quote some song lyrics I had to make sure that I either had to prove I had permission to use those song lyrics or prove that they were in public domain okay in my case they were in PD okay but I had to prove that yeah gotcha okay so that's another cost 65 bucks on in these cases you get your copyright then what we were talking about a minute ago you need to get an ISBN number mm-hmm. that's how the world is gonna identify your book exactly if you go through Amazon, which we do, or Ingram Spark, you have an option. Uh, with Amazon, they will provide you a free ISBN, mm-hmm. which is great. Limitation of that is that ISBN is only registered with Amazon and their affiliates. Oh, okay. So if your local bookstore, if there is such a thing anymore, wanted to call Ingram and order your book, they wouldn't be able to get it. Okay. That locks you in on Amazon. Gotcha. Otherwise, you can go out and pay. For an ISBN number that's registered worldwide, that's a hundred and a quarter to a hundred and fifty. So you you have to really juggle. Um, I chose to go with the free one on Amazon. Amazon's the largest marketplace out there. And Mm -hmm. if I want to put a book somewhere locally, I can order author copies and just do a direct deal with a bookstore.
0: Is there anything else that you want to say? And we're going to put links so they can get information about your books because I... You probably have a lot of other people fascinated and ready to read. The devil plays six strings, and then the next one, your second book, The Devil, the and, devil and the, Dance, the Dance, Hall
1: Dance Hall Girl. Right,
0: can't wait to find out what that one's about as well. Uh,
1: just as a wrap up to put a to put a bow on what we're doing, uh, get on the internet, look up Amazon's publishing. It's it's called Amazon KDP, mm-hmm. or look up Ingram Spark. Both websites give you a lot of information. They talk to you about royalties. They talk to you about how to make money. Good. And once you're ready and you've made that decision, they make it very easy, step-by-step, step, to upload, get things going. And Once it's accepted, you're usually out in a day or two, and they publish the books on demand. So when someone oh, wow. orders, they print it, they get it out in three or four days. So you're not dealing with stocking. You're not dealing with with having a trunk boxes. full of, right.
0: bo- yeah, okay, right. and then uh, if do you have an idea of an estimate like overall cost? I'm going to go start to finish with other people that I have to hire. Do you have any idea?
1: Around six hundred, probably. Seriously? Yeah, by the time it was all said and done. Now that's not, co- you know, not the cost of buying my. You have to buy your author copies. Because you're self-published. It's not yeah. like a publisher is going to give them to you. Okay. Yeah. You know, so there's some more cost, but basic get started out into the world around six hundred bucks. So less
0: than a thousand dollars, you
1: could have yes. a book out into the world. Absolutely.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry we don't have more time. You may have to
1: come back. Thanks for okay. having any time. Just give me a call.
0: So this is Vince Pinkerton, the owner of Pinkerton Productions and a self published author and just invaluable information you can give us. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're going to post some links on our Focus Facebook page so you can get some more of the information that he mentioned. You don't have to try and remember everything. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.